0: You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant. We had recently shared the story with James Allen Thompson and his walk across America, and... I thought it was so exciting. How can we possibly fit in the stories, the experiences, the learnings, the lessons that most of us aren't willing to pursue by walking across America on foot. And so I invited James back for a part two. And I think that there's so much to be gleaned from his experience. And so James, thank you so much for returning and for sharing more on your walk across America.
1: Yeah, it's an honor to be here and to share some of my insights. I feel like I've learned over a decade's worth of life lessons in just six months.
0: That was a huge capsulization, a compression of life experience into mm-hmm. the walls of a six-month period and I'm so grateful that you are so willing to share with us. You're also writing a book. Share with yes. us about your book and, and the, way, the way it's going to be laid out, because sure. I love that you're going to include journal entries.
1: Yeah. So the title of the book is called How I Saw It, uh, What I Learned About Developing Peace During My Walk Across America. And I was wondering how I would put this together, the format, because there's so many different experiences that I feel I want to share with people as a gift because these experiences weren't for me. I like this saying that our pleasures are not for our profit, it's for our purpose. And it was honestly a pleasure to walk across America and to have these experiences with people. So I can't I can't hold them to myself. These are meant for other people to have. And so the way that the book is going to be formatted is, I'm still working through this, but it's going to be short paragraph, Uh, stories from every day. So there's 205 days that we walked across the country. So I'll take these stories and then find a lesson that people can um, apply into their own life to help them develop greater inner peace. That's really the idea. So this is really about perspective. And I believe uh, that is at the core of what it's about. It's about the perspective that I had in these different situations. Whether I handled them the right way or not, um, it's not about that. It's about providing perspective for people because perspective truly does give us peace.
0: And getting people to ask themselves, what would I have done in that situation? Yeah. How would I have handled that moment? I know that I, I'm so excited for this book because I, I hope that I never have to walk across America. Uh, if I wanted to choose that, that would be one thing. But you know, we are so blessed with so much convenience and our cozy beds and our warm <laughs> houses. And then you had experiences where you learned how the people that are homeless feel to not know where the next kind hand is going to be mm-hmm. the next person that might give them some food or some safe shelter. I, that really touched me. And that has, has put a huge, um, uh, a huge deep feeling in my heart because those of us who have plenty may someday be able to know firsthand, experience what you experienced. So I think that this is important that we learn from you, James, because your book is going to give us opportunities to analyze our own characters, our own willingness to back off and look at other people through a divine perspective that we are all children of god and what are we doing with this fighting and this contention political contentions and racial contentions and what a beautiful book is going to inspire people you need to do a series of podcasts you need to do a movie we need to find a (laughs) screenwriter to share this experience the pure intention that you and that your friend Paul had in your walk across America. You know, we had talked about it uh, privately. We were, I, I, I always thought, I bet he has had experiences with angels, both seen and unseen. I am sure that he has had divine intervention on this path. And can you share a story with us about a moment you knew that you were experiencing divine intervention by the ministering of angels?
1: Yeah. So I remember just a few days after we had decided to do this walk, Paul and I were in San Francisco and I had this distinct impression that angels both on both sides of the veil would minister to us and protect us on this walk because I knew that this was something that God wanted us to do. So we're in Columbus, Ohio, and Columbus has some significance for my family and me, because that is where Ohio State is. And that is where one of my ancestors, uh, one of my great uncles, his name is William Oxley Thompson. He was the president of Ohio State mm. during World War One, And there is a library named after him. There's a statue of him. And so I knew I needed to go there and wow. experience that. And so we show up and that was a very special experience, knowing that one of my ancestors had made such a huge impact in the lives of people. And everyone, everyone that has been to Ohio State knows, knows him. And so I just thought that was really inspiring and I needed to be there. And so then I, next I felt the, um, the urge to go to where he was buried, uh, which is just down the street. So we're looking for his um, grave spot and there's, I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds of Gravestones, and we had a really difficult finding it time finding it, and so finally we had prayed, and we were led to where he was buried along with his wife and children, and some some of my cousins, and and uh, I had this impression to pray over this gravesite, and the moment I prayed, there was a loud siren that came off and I don't know where it came from, but I thought it was interesting. It was almost as if it was trying to stop me from praying, but I hmm. continued to pray. I actually had recorded this because I wanted to hold on to that. But after, after we had left the the cemetery, we continued walking through Columbus and I had this distinct impression that a lot of my ancestors, including my mother, who had passed away seven years ago was with me and that you know, part of the reason we came to Columbus was to develop that connection. And I've had other experiences, some too sacred to, to share mm-hmm. here. But, uh, you know, I I felt the presence of many spirits throughout the walk in different parts. Some who I felt were trapped. Some who I felt were free and that were progressing. But again, you know, it's, it was a very real experience. And I know Paul also had experienced uh, different interactions with, um, with angels, but yes, a lot of the angels that we had experienced were mortal angels. You know, like I talked about Jobber, our friend Jobber. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the different angels that came into our lives at the right, perfect, perfect moment.
0: You know, your story gives me hope. When we have, while you were going through your pre-experience of going on this walk and while you were on that walk, my husband and I were watching the news and it got to the point where we couldn't watch it anymore because it was too heartbreaking. And I would go to bed and as I slept, my spirit was in turmoil. Because when you have a sensitive heart and you love so deeply, as you do, James, you care about even the people that you don't know, that you haven't met, that you haven't seen. And you had an experience with meeting people that you would have never met, with seeing faces you would have never seen. Maybe they were masked, but you saw eyes you would never have gazed into without this walk. And I'm sure that it was almost uncanny to realize that there are so many good people out there that care and that what we've heard on the news was only focusing on the bad and the negative and the sorrowful and yet you saw goodness you saw you saw good people you met good people you were you were treated well by good mm-hmm. people that's what i want to focus on for just a minute james tell us about a good person that you didn't know before the trip that you hadn't met on Facebook that you didn't have lined up to have dinner with but somebody you met who did something kind for you that you were not expecting and the impact that had on you yes who would that be to the mercy seat in the air your voices linger the sound is bittersweet the music I hear play. Of marching feet Men of God's battalion Fought on that battlefield With shield of faith With sword of truth Mustered courage Held virtue dear They're fighting for God's glory They fought in days of yore have changed the cause, the same. Pray forevermore. The scene has changed the cause. From sea to shining sea and beyond, you're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and joy coach, Karen Lynn Grant. We're back with Joy Coaching America and Karen Lynn Grant. And James, I had just asked you a question right when we were supposed to break for the news. So the question was, you have so many friends. You are... You know lots of people. You're on Facebook. You have met and you rub shoulders with a lot of people. You have contacts. Maybe you haven't met them all in person, but you have followers and people know who you are and you know who a lot of people are. And the question that I asked was Was there someone along the way that you did not know, that you had not had as a Facebook friend prior to this experience? Maybe there's more than one, but I would love to hear a story of some beautiful angel that stepped into your path and blessed you um, with the thought of angels on my path. And who were they and what did they do for you?
1: This was beginning of October. So the weather is starting to get cold and we knew going through Nebraska we would more than likely experience some snow or just some really harsh weather. Paul and I had both, uh, were very, we were very depressed at this time <laughs> of our walk because we, we knew that Katrina wasn't going to come back out with us. The weather was just really cold and dark. And we were a little discouraged. We were actually, we were very discouraged at this mm-hmm. point because we knew Nebraska was going to be a long state to get through. So, we had just got out of church. We managed to find a church nearby where we had camped. Actually, we had camped at this church. And I was praying because I had no idea how we were going to make it through Nebraska. I didn't have any contacts in Nebraska. I was praying that we would find an angel. Hmm. An angel wouldn't show up and provide a place for us to sleep. So, we were walking I was walking on the side of the road. At this point we had this puppy. We had bought this puppy as a way to kind of um, help us get through this depression that we were both experiencing. And this girl pulls up and says, Hey, is that your dog? Looks like it's a stray and said, Yeah, you know, we're we're walking across the country right now and so we started talking. She was blown away by what we were doing. And she said, Do you need anything? And I said yeah actually we could use a place to stay and i wasn't expecting her to say yes because this is this girl's in her 20s and you know she doesn't know us and she said well you can stay at my place and i said really (laughs) so she said yeah so we we had finished walking for the day then we went back to her place we show up at her place and she had this gift basket for us it was a container full of food and supplies and she bought puppy food and snacks treats for our puppy rocky he's a English shepherd. And, uh, she let us stay in her home. She made us dinner and we slept on her couch, but I was blown away. I'm like, you know, this, this girl doesn't know us from Adam. Like, you know, here we are two strange men. She's letting us sleep on their, on her couch. Not just that she went and contacted her mom who lives in a different part of Nebraska. They hosted us for three days. And then they got us in contact with someone else. They put us up in their home for a night and then got us a place to sleep inside of a church. So it was this ripple effect. But here's the amazing thing. I connected with, her name is Shelby. This is the girl that let us stay in her home. I connected with her on Facebook. Turns out we have a mutual friend. What are the chances of that? So we have this mutual friend who is involved in podcasting. He's from Nebraska. But it was a divine appointment. I'm convinced of that, and I'm convinced that we were supposed to meet these other people along the way. But yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, Nebraska in its in and of itself could be an entire book.
0: <laughs> that is amazing and unbelievable, and just goes to show that the power of prayer. You prayed specifically for an angel yeah. and what you needed. And there was someone to answer the call and the ripple effect of her reaching out to her mother and the ripple effect of you having places to stay in, in Nebraska. This is just a beautiful story when we think of those ones who are out there who Our angels on our path. I just, I love this, James, and I hope that you're going to include all of those angel presences that blessed you along the way and that you blessed. Can you tell me a story of someone that in the middle of your walk with tired feet, sore feet, in the middle of, of this walk with Paul, what, who did you meet that you were able to lift? Share a word of comfort, hope. What did you do? I know, I'm sure that you did something wonderful for many people. But can you think of something where you felt divinely inspired to reach out and bless somebody?
1: Like I said before, when we made the decision to, you know, take the support vehicle with us, even though Katrina was going to stay back. I knew it was for a bigger cause. Again, it wasn't about us walking across America. It was about having these experiences and being angels to other people. This is where we met Cedric. So we're about uh, maybe 30 miles away from the Nebraska border. And I see this man, and he's got a sign. He's got a bunch of stuff on his back. And I said, Hey, do you, do you need help with anything? Do you need some food? And we were very fortunate. We were able to stack our uh, our car with food and water and everything. And I think that was the other part was as we make our journey, we would be able to give food to people that were in need, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and we wouldn't have been able to do that. Had we just been on foot, foot, you know? Um, In fact, we, we probably wouldn't have never ran into Cedric to be honest, but once once Paul, I was ahead of Paul at this point, Paul was walking to the car and I was um, getting ready to get out of the car and start walking. I had this impression that we needed to help Cedric in some way. And Cedric is this uh, Native American gentleman, probably in his late 20s, early 30s, I assume. And he was making his way from Colorado to South Dakota. So when Paul met up with me, I said, Paul, we got to do something to help him out. We needed to continue to walk, but we had talked about it and we decided Paul would drive Cedric to his destination in South Dakota. It was going to be, I think, an eight hour drive or something.
0: Wow.
1: And so we, so, so we decided I would continue walking. So I walked 20 miles that day um, by myself. So I had to like, I threw my backpack on with sleeping bag and food and I was just going to keep us moving forward while Paul drove. Cedric up to South Dakota. And I know for sure that we made an impact in Cedric's life, um, because he reached out to us months later, and uh, it helped him. And uh, I don't know really what happened on that drive with Paul and Cedric. But it was a blessing. It really was to to be be there for this young man and provide him um, help.
0: Well, I wasn't expecting anything like that. I I was thinking of a kind word and maybe a ding dong or a Twinkie or a ho-ho <laughs> along the way as you were smiling and walking an eight hour detour and coming back and finding you. And that was a huge sacrifice as well on your part to know you were going to be traveling alone for the next 20 hours.
1: It was a little scary, not going to lie, but I knew I could do. I knew I was going to be safe. And here's the interesting thing. Toward the end of the night, uh, Paul was still making, I think he was making his way back to where we were. And there was a fire going on at this barn and the smoke was really heavy and I was walking right past it. And these firefighters were trying to put out this this fire. And I met this lady who pulled over and asked if I needed a ride into the next town. It was a really, really small town. And I said, you know, I was still about two miles out from it, but I said I needed a place to sleep you know, for the rest of the night. Cause I wasn't sure when Paul was going to show up, but this lady, I had this experience with this lady that was really life-changing too.
0: Again, more angels along the way on James Allen Thompson's walk across America. I am sitting here tingling. I just, I, I'm so grateful, James, that I ran into you the other day by divine intervention, I'm sure, so that we could do this radio show together. And I hope those of you who are listening, when it becomes a podcast, we will be sharing this link with you. We will be hoping that you can go to James' Facebook page and and continue to have interaction with him and continue to come back and revisit us here at Joy Coaching America as we share the extraordinary experiences of people who are yearning to make a difference, to bring love, joy, and peace to a very hungry nation in need. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America. Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, interviewing in part two with James Allen Thompson on his journey and his walk across America. And as we finish that last segment, James, you were just about to tell us, we left on a cliffhanger. You were at the edge of Nebraska or in Nebraska. There was a fire. Your friend Paul had just taken Cedric to... North Dakota. You had been alone. You were going on 20 hours on foot with a backpack on your back. There was thick smoke. And now you meet another angel. Thank you for sharing the story with us.
1: At this point, it's about, I want to say it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I was still a couple of miles outside of the next small town. And I didn't really feel comfortable just throwing out my sleeping bag on the side of the road. I really want to reach this next town, but I was exhausted at this point and Paul was still a few hours away. And so this lady pulls up in this truck and says, Hey, I'm so sorry. I drove past you. I know there's this fire going on. The smoke is really bad. And um, do you need to ride somewhere? And I said, yeah. So I had marked my location because we were going to pick up from where we were um, the next day. And I got a ride a couple of miles into town. And as we were driving this lady was telling me about her story and how she had just been through a really, really tragic experience. Both of her parents and her brother were murdered and, uh, she's going through this drug rehab program that had ended because of the pandemic. And so she was left, um, trying to get her life together and she felt very hopeless. And I told her, I said, you know, I I have some friends, uh, missionaries from my church who would love to help you get back into this rehab program to overcome this addiction that you have to drugs. And more than anything, I felt like I was there to just be there for her, to show her that someone cares. And then she was there for me to, to give me this ride so I could find a place to set up my sleeping bag and sleep. But it was a truly amazing experience how when you become an angel to someone, a lot of times someone becomes an angel back to you. And then it's just this this cycle that happens, right? So, you know, we were an angel to Cedric and then this lady came out of nowhere. She was an angel to me and then I was able to be an angel to her. And, you know, that's just how life is. That's that's really the beauty of taking initiative and, and being there for people.
0: You know, I love this. Right now, I'm teaching a master's module called Dancing with Angels, and it's all about the testimony and the witness that we are on this side of the veil, and we have a body of flesh and blood and bone. We are still, if we choose to be, we are angels along the way. And then I remember a friend saying to me once, Karen, you don't have to wait till you die to be an angel. You can be an angel right here and right now. God needs angels right now. And I think what I'm hearing from this portion of the story is that ripple effect of when, when you answered the call, you and Paul answered the call to go help Cedric. And then God provided somebody to help you in your crucial moment when you had walked as far as you could walk when you were exhausted. The the smoke was thick and you needed a place to lay your head. And here came a woman to help you with a physical need. And you were there to help her with a spiritual, emotional need to remind her that she is love, that she is a child of God, and that she can overcome the thing that she is working on, her private battle I love this James and I love and I'm looking forward to your book as you paint that picture and have that underlying theme that we are all here to be each other's angels so we need to stop this fighting you know it reminds me of the song one tin soldier and uh, go go google that go look it up on YouTube go read the lyrics of one tin soldier and how they lift the stone at the end of the song and these two these two kingdoms are fighting over this stone because they believe the stone has a great value and it represents this piece of land that they want. And as the song gets to the the clincher, it says, as these people turn the stone over it, turn the stone over, all it said, engraved and etched into it. This thing that they thought had so much monetary value was peace on earth, was all it said. And then the chorus is go ahead and hate your neighbor, go ahead and hate your friend. Do it in the name of Jesus. He will justify you in the end. There won't be any trumpets blowing on your judgment day. But in the end, in the end, all that really matters is peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And that is what I'm hearing from my story line from James Thompson on his walk to America. As we switch gears, I want to just have you just impromptu. What was one of the greatest lessons that you learned from one of the deepest hardships you overcame? And that's not kind of a fair question to ask on the spot in front of listeners, but what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned that you will take with you as a life theme with you for the rest of your journey on your walk through life?
1: For me, that would be letting go and letting God. And that was one of the first lessons I had to learn when we started this walk was to let go of expectations, to let go of ego, to let go of material possessions that a lot of times we want to hold on to and really trust. And I'm not talking about just going with the flow. Uh, I'm talking about trusting in God's plan and really taking action and, and aligning, aligning that action with God's will. So yeah, letting go would be the biggest lesson that I learned because again, we were at this this point where we had almost got out of Colorado and we were in the mountains and there was these raging fires mm. on all sides, on, on the east side, on the west side, on north. And we were trying to figure out what to do. We, we didn't have the time to try to uh, ha- walk all the way down to the bottom of Colorado and then detour. But, you know, we, I had to say, you know, it doesn't have to be my way. You know, we need to find a better way. And God's going to figure this out for us. We just have to move. And so, yeah, learning to let go, let go of my ego was <laughs> was really hard. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I think that one of the reasons we've had so much friction and contention in our world is that we all think we have the best way. Mm -hmm. We all think that, uh, I don't mean to say we all think, but we think that uh, we tend to assume that what we believe is right and best for everyone else. And I love what a peaceful thought to think that I can let go and let God work with this person and that person because everybody has their journey. Everybody's on their own path, on their walk through life. And we need to allow them to experience those things that are going to become their greatest life lessons, whether that's a painful life lesson that they learn from their sad experience or a beautiful lesson made by positive choices that become a a shining example for the rest of us. I'm excited for this book, James. I'm Mm -hmm. excited for this walk. And I want to ask you, uh, what do you plan on doing now? What would you take? How has this impacted you? I know that you said that this compressed life and it became a huge, uh, A huge experience to change your life so what would you what would you guide us to do what would you suggest for us to do who haven't had that experience but now you know how valuable every step of the journey is
1: yeah at this point i would say it's important for us to dig deep and strive to understand the gifts the talents Really the purpose that we have here on this earth and to follow that, to not live in fear, to take a a step of faith and to follow that purpose. Because it's amazing what will happen in your life when you do that. This is, and I haven't even scratched the surface as far as the opportunities that have come from this. But imagine what that can do for you in your life when when you take that leap of faith and you align yourself with your higher purpose. That's what I would say. And that's that's my mission is to continue to empower people to do that.
0: And we're going to move into the next section, our next segment on masterful influence, as we share with James, as James shares with us more about the things that he learned and how we can become the best leader we can be by making those choices that God directs us to make to will our own lives into extraordinary. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America. Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. This is part two of our series with James Allen Thompson, who made a walk across America, who arrived in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, completely by divine intervention. It was not a planned event. It was planned that he would arrive in Washington, D.C. and the things that he saw and witnessed are amazing for those of us who weren't there to be an eyewitness. And as we talked to you, James, this morning, I know that before you made this walk, you've had an influence, a great influence in my life. And I have known you as a as a great leader, and I know that you are going to do wonderful things in your life, that God has great plans for you, and that this walk compressed and synopsized, and uh, just took events and compressed them into wisdom. And you are planning and you have already been sharing uh, with me the goal and the dream and the righteous endeavor of helping people to find uh, the art of masterful influence. And I would love for you to share with us your premise about that about helping each person to find their genius, to find their gift, to find their calling, mission, and purpose so that each one of us who has been sent to this earth, who has a positive thing to do, we all have something extraordinary to do when we get out of ordinary thinking and decide that we want to be about our father's business. So would you share with us this this beautiful concept that you have about masterful influence?
1: Yeah, when, when it comes to leadership, my take on it is leadership isn't about leading people as much as it is about leading yourself and developing yourself, right? Cause really the the best way to lead is by example. And so that is something I've always been very fascinated with is personal growth since I was a young kid. And I think it really starts with loving yourself because how are you supposed to love others if you can't love yourself and and I had to over this walk I had to really learn to love myself despite a lot of the weaknesses that I came to know because you know with you're with someone when you're with someone for 24 7 you know um, you become very open and honest about each other's uh, I don't want to say faults but um, our blind spots mm-hmm. <laughs> so That is where I believe influence really comes from. It has to come from a place of love, genuine love, care. I talked about empathy earlier. And when we do that, it seems like all the other pieces start to come together. But without that main ingredient, it just falls apart.
0: That's true, and i I feel excited because I'm on a path of leadership myself i I remember you know when you don't know that you're a born leader, when you just I was the third daughter of uh, two older sisters that just were just the straight A students and everything like that. and so I was just content. they I let them be the voice, I let them speak, and I just listened because I was the youngest little sister, and I remember. When the Lord told me through my thoughts with an impetus, you need to study leadership. And I thought, why do I need to study leadership? And the thought came because you have hidden strengths that you know not of and i think that that goes for many of us that we have just trusted our leaders we we don't maybe see ourselves as running for an office or or putting ourselves out there in our communities to do something it, especially now it feels a little frightening perhaps to to think about taking that on but what would you suggest to every person out there within the sound of your voice about standing up and taking on the role of leader and just Becoming that leader by by in, reinforcing in our own thoughts, I am a good leader. I am a strong leader. I am a capable leader. I am a kind leader. I am a patient leader. Uh, let he who is chief among you be servant of them all. We cannot be an effective leader if we are a, a coercive leader, a controlling leader, a a leader who does not care about the the feelings of those we intend to guide and direct and inspire and uplift. So what are some of your thoughts about leadership that you would like to share as you write that book?
1: Well, when we decided to do this walk, I knew part of the reason I was feeling so anxious was because I would be putting myself out there in the public. I mean, I was always active on social media but to put yourself out there to do something this big was very uncomfortable for me. So that would be the first thing I would say is being the choice being a leader is very uncomfortable because a lot of times you're going against the grain. And in our case, it wasn't popular. We weren't I wasn't out there marching with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, like some some of my friends. We weren't out there to push this political agenda we we wanted to do something different. And so we never went, you could say, viral on social media. It wasn't really about that. We did get some media coverage and we were able to get our message out to thousands and thousands of people. But it wasn't really ever about that. It wasn't about the result. It was really about the process that we were going through. And within that process, it was about us ministering to the one and i have so many stories about that and oh, how important gosh. that is in leadership a lot of times we get caught up in this popularity con- um you know contest and leadership is not about popularity no it's it's really about individual connection and i know that sounds kind of cheesy but that is the truth of it you know i think about the greatest leader in my life who was my mother? Yeah, you know, she didn't have this huge she wasn't a huge mommy blogger, social media influencer. She led by teaching her children, her five boys, how to live good lives. And I believe we need more of that. We need more of that perspective and stop trying to glamorize what leadership really should be.
0: I love this. I love this, James. I remember as a 16-year-old girl, I found a quote that I loved and I calligraphed it in my little sixteen-year-old calligraphy knot and and hung it on my wall with a piece of duct tape. But it said, it matters not if you're great in the eyes of a thousand men, but only if you're great in the eyes of God. And I think that what you just said about it's not about how many followers you have. It's about how many loyal friends you have. And we are so blessed when people know us by our integrity. I think that the key, the key component of a great leader is someone who is true to themselves. And then they will reflect that, they will radiate that, and they will find those who believe and who feel and who resonate and feel the fervor of that person who has the courage to be true to themselves, not by blasting it necessarily everywhere, but by just being true, being solid in that, not being afraid to share their truth. And then it will draw people to us. It will draw those who have like hearts, kindred hearts. And then we can create a beautiful movement uh, that, that can have a ripple effect that way too.
1: Well, yeah, I think about the greatest leader that has ever lived on this earth, and that is Jesus Christ. And on paper he wasn't a leader, right? He, uh, did not have political influence, did not have this massive following. There are all these different things. He wasn't, you know, according to the scriptures, he wasn't this charming individual. Uh, he, he led quietly. And to me, that is the supreme example of leadership.
0: You talked about ministering to the one and you think about the savior, Jesus Christ, and how he often, when he did his good, he would say to that individual, go until no one. And I love the whole concept of leadership being the minister to the one, the one who doesn't care if anybody else is watching what they're doing. They're not looking over their shoulder to see if everybody else is watching, but they they are doing their quiet goodness, their beautiful goodness, where only God can see, oftentimes where only the angels are watching. And I love that you feel so strongly about that, because that is my huge impetus to to minister to the one. That is the leader that I have, the mentor that I have, who is the Savior Jesus Christ. Set that example for me as well, to minister to the one and to bless the one. Yes. James we have 2 minutes and in these 2 minutes i would love for you to give us your your beautiful heartfelt message to americans everywhere regardless of whether we are republican democrat or whatever whatever we are all human beings we are children of god we are a part of humanity and our lives matter and if you could just wind up this show for us today with what you would want everyone to feel from your heart after having walked to Washington, D.C.
1: The most important thing that I came away with from this walk was the the importance of really listening to each other And when we can start to do that, we can develop these incredible relationships with each other and we can come and solve a lot of the problems that we're facing as humans. That is so important. You know, we think about the relationship that we have with our divine creator. And a lot of the problems that we face in this life can be solved if we hear him. I guarantee that he hears us when we pray and you look at the problems that we're facing right now in the country with what happened with George Floyd with this election again the problem comes down to we're not listening to each other but why aren't we listening to each other that might be a conversation for another time but all I would say is let's let's listen to others as we would listen to ourselves
0: I love it James, thank you. This is a wonderful part two in your walk across America, which has now become my walk across America. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America. Thank you, James.